leaving then. And so if I, I just want, uh, I wanted them to see. Uh, they said they wanted to come one night, and I thought this would be a signal night for them to see some things on the front end. How many have ever seen the hand of God in the heavens or the eye of God in the heavens? Uh, the crown of thorn in the heavens? Uh, well, we're going to look at that. Uh, do you believe that God is relevant and real and up there? The Bible said, Jesus said uh, in Matthew 24, beginning in about verse 30, he said, uh, uh, he's talking about some prophetic things of the last day. And he said, and then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in the heavens. And so now what I'm going to show you is uh, uh, the top academic astronomers in, in the U.S. and the world. And they're the ones who have named these. I didn't name them and what I'm going to share with you. I'll also share some while the young people are in. I'll show some other things uh, before they leave out. And then we'll go back and, and, and uh, start at the front end. I've got some... I got some great, had one, uh, one fine lady tonight to tell me she knew when the Lord was coming. She's already given me the date. I'll share that with you maybe a little later. So if you'll, uh, if you'll uh, Curtis, give me that uh, first one. This is the call by the scientific, top scientific minds. They discovered these uh, not too awful long ago because uh, the Hubble telescope wasn't available until... Uh, some recent years and with the latest advanced technology they have in viewing the heavens and this is called the eye of God and uh, it's uh, see there's little the scientists say this is water around and the scientific community said it's God's eye and it looks like God is weeping so that's kind of a touching it's a beautiful show that other one again it's a beautiful uh picture the eye of God and uh, it's amazing and that's what the uh, head astronomers in the world the academic mind the liberals came later and brother Pete was sharing with me I didn't know this they tried to take the names away because they don't want you to have any recognition of God all right the eye of God and then next we'll go to the crown of thorns see that they said, the scientists said, this looks like the crown of thorns on Jesus' head. That's what it looks like, doesn't it? And, and then we'll go to the next. This is the hand of God. You can see the fingers are going up. This is in the heavens. This is constellations. And they have discovered these and they have labeled these. I didn't label them. This is not some kook head fabrication they uh, they labeled them and right here even it looks like where the nail prints they said were driven in to his wrist and that's where they were driven and then uh, if you view it at one angle it looks like also down here uh, like a fist almost but you can see the fingers the definite the the hand of God isn't that amazing that's amazing that's inspirational it's touching and there's another view. Now we move on to the Whirlpool Galaxy. Not too far back distant. This is the Whirlpool Galaxy. And it's, a, it's a, a, not too far back uh, in the near past. Uh, they discovered the Whirlpool Galaxy. And that's what it's called. It looks like a Whirlpool. And in the middle of that Whirlpool is a black hole. And in that black hole... 
And listen to what the scientists say. The top scientific minds say there is no way possible for this to happen. That, that this can happen because the stars in that black hole form, have to be together and form that cross. There's no greater sign of God and Jesus than the cross, is there? And the Holy Spirit. And they say it's not possible. It's one in 30 trillion chances. And they say that it would form one time. But not only does it form one time, it's there constantly, 24-7, every day. Is that amazing? Can we give God a hand clap of praise? Hallelujah. Isn't he a big God? Amen. Jesus said, then shall appear the sign of man in the heavens. Dear God, what more do you want? God is alive, is he not? And I, I wish that the scientific community and everybody else would wake up and recognize him. All right, if we'll move on to the next one while the young people are here, I want to show them about Leviathan and these things. And uh, <coughs> can, if we can get to the next, okay. All right, this is a, if you pull it up on your internet, your smartphone or whatever, it's labeled as Israel's nuclear uh, weapons of mass destruction. This is one of six and they were getting three more. They probably have them by now, making nine. They got them from Germany. Uh, some of the folks say because Germany did the Jews so bad, then they've responded with selling them these nuclear subs. This is a nuclear sub called Leviathan. Four times mentioned in the Bible. And Job 41, 19 said, Out of his mouth go burning light, sparking, sparks of fire shoot out. And one place it said he had seven heads and fire shoots out like a dragon in the scriptures. And guess what? What happens, this uh, Leviathan has seven heads, nuclear warheads. And guess what happens when they're shot? Sparks of fire shoot out. Now my wife, <clears throat> excuse me, I had her um, pull some of this off and I gave it, uh, talked to him on the phone and he's able to pull all this up. He's, he's done a great job. So she's sitting there today while I'm, doing some tidying up on the message for tonight, the, the, uh, uh, the lecture for tonight, and she keeps saying, wow, wow, wow. She said, you ought to read this. I got four or five pages of scoop on this thing. She said, it'll blow you away. It's exciting. I said, well, read it to me. She said, uh, and she started reading, and she had several pages. And I said, whoa, stop reading. I ain't got time. I've got to. I said, what do then? Just give me a little gist, an overview. She said, well, let me just tell you what the commander, uh, the ex-commander who's now retired, and they have a new commander. Let me tell you what the commander said about this nuclear sub. And uh, well, does it give his name? Because Israel doesn't disclose any of their intelligent information like, some, like Obama and them used to tell everybody everything. They don't tell anything. And the commander said... We, they, uh, the people that, that are on the ship, the crew, their families never know where they are. These never dock. They're, some of them are in the Persian Gulf, and I imagine some in the Mediterranean. Some are in the Persian Gulf. 
and said they never dock in any port and uh, they're ready at a moment's notice and uh, their families don't know where they are and nobody except the intelligence community ever knows of Israel, ever knows where they are located. But they're ready at a moment's notice. He said, the commander said, in fact, when the twin towers were hit from Leviathan with such great uh, uh, ability that this nuclear sub had, we were watching the screen and we saw the hitting of the Twin Towers in New York City from the Persian Gulf with that submarine. They say it's so powerful and has such capability that we watched it. said, in fact, we thought at first it was some kind of media hoax and we didn't believe it actually happened. And then the intelligence report came and we went on high alert. And that's all I can tell you from there. Is that amazing? It is amazing. Amen. And they watched from that nuclear sub in the Persian Gulf, they saw the Twin Towers in New York City. Amen. Isn't that amazing what God's done for Israel? All right, let's move on to another one. Next one. And while the young people are in here, I'll just show you. This is a border wall along the uh, uh, Israel. It stopped 98% of terrorist attacks in Israel. A wall works. Amen. Amen. The liberals can say what they want to. This is another view of it. And it stopped 98%. This is a wall that Saudi Arabia has built trying to prevent ISIS from coming in. Saudi Arabia has a wall. Walls work. This is a part of Saudi Arabia's wall. All right. Is there another one? Um, this, this uh, we're going to talk about Israel tonight, and I'm going to have to use a session tonight and give it one title, and one, next week and give another title. Maybe uh, we may do some continuation of some of the things we'll talk about tonight. In Genesis chapter 15, God outlines the boundaries for Israel, that his chosen people that he's giving them. Israel has never realized those boundaries in their history, never. They will be realized during the millennial, the thousand-year reign on planet Earth by the Lord Jesus himself sitting on the throne of David. And when you see the actual boundaries that God outlined, and he said that these boundaries will be yours from then on, goes halfway of Egypt nearly, uh, over Iraq, uh, half of nearly Saudi Arabia, <coughs> excuse me, all the way up uh, Syria, across most of Syria, and all this area, Israel will one day realize as its official boundaries and will enjoy them. Isn't that amazing? Now, when Obama would talk about ISIS, the Islamic State of Iraq, he added an L. He would always refer to it as ISIL. Why did he do that? Because that gave the recognition of the ISIS state. It gave them a lot more territory, the Levant, a bigger area. And he wanted them to be more important. And you can say whatever you want to say and slice it. And when he was running for president, I told my congregation over and over, he is a Muslim. He is a Muslim. Amen. I can, I can prove to you he was a Muslim. 
Do we have any more? Is that, that's, that's, is that the last one? Okay. All right. Except the ones on the handout. Okay. So, so if they need to go, they can go now. Is anyone, before you go, any of you young people have a question? Is this awesome? It's cool, isn't it? <laughs> Amen. God is up there. Don't ever forget that. And his all-seeing eye, the cross, he's watching, he knows. The Bible said on that day, every idle word you ever spoke will be given account for. He also has some pretty tuned in ears also. Amen. All right. God bless you. And we'll, we'll start on our session tonight. Anyone have a question before we move on? This is awesome to me. You know, maybe you knew this all along, but some of it I just learned in the not too distant future, our past. So I have really enjoyed, uh, uh, and the more I learn, I was talking to the two ladies that have doctorate degrees in, in, uh, in Bible tonight, and, uh, and we all decided together that the more we learn, the older we get, and the more we know how little we see we do know. Amen. We don't know anything. There's, uh, we're just limited. We're, uh, we're only finite. He's the only one who's infinite. So I want to I begin tonight... Uh, by talking about Israel, and if we'll look at some scriptures here, I want to read them to you on the front end. This is Ezekiel chapter 37. If you read the whole chapter of Ezekiel 37, you find that um, Ezekiel is told by God to preach to a big valley of dry bones. They've been dead for hundreds of years. They're very dry, and God asked the question, can these bones live? And Ezekiel had enough sense to say, thou knowest. You know, God, whether they can or not. But he said, preach to them. And that seems an absurd command. But uh, Ezekiel began to preach. And when he did, uh, bones began to come together. The anointing of the Holy Ghost brought that company and put sinews in flesh. And they stood up the whole household of Israel, a great army. Then when you get to verse 11, he said, Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. They indeed say our bones are dry, our hope is lost, and we ourselves are cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, take note, O my people, I will open up your graves and cause you to come up from your graves and bring you into the land of Israel. Then you shall know that I am the Lord when I do this, when I have opened your graves, O my people, and brought you up from your graves. I will put my spirit in you, you shall live, and I will place in you in your land. Then you shall know that I, the Lord, have spoken it and performed it, says the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. Dr. David Jeremiah said, There is doubtlessly, without any reservation or question, the greatest keynote to the coming of the Lord and the keynote to Bible prophecy is the restoration of Israel in its own homeland. Romans 11, for I do not desire, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery, a mystery I want to talk to you about, lest you should be wise in your own opinion, that blindness has happened in part to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. Now, if you listen to the groups today that believe in Reformed theology and replacement theology, they, don't, they think God's through with the Jews and it's over and there's nothing for them. They crucified the Son of God and that's it and they're forever doomed and 
God has nothing more to do with them. That's not true. He said, uh, uh, go back to that verse we didn't read yet. And so, for I do not desire that you should be okay of this mystery. Go ahead, I'm sorry. And so all Israel will be saved, that is, is written. That doesn't mean they're all going to be saved, all the Jews. It means those who will look to God. Uh, he said, they're going to look on me whom they pierced, and they're going to weep and mourn, and God uh, will save whosoever will can come and partake freely of the water of life. And it's God's will that all be saved. The deliverer will come out of Zion, and he will turn away ungodliness from Jacob. For this is my covenant with them when I take away their sins. Concerning the gospel, they're enemies for your sake. But concerning the election, they are beloved for the sake of the fathers. For the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. God said, I'm going to restore Israel in, the, in my time. And it's all going to happen. And all of Israel that wants to be saved will be able to be saved and redeemed. The 144,000 sealed up evangelists during the tribulation are going to preach the everlasting gospel at the ends of the earth and there's going to be a great revival among this Jewish people at that time, doubtlessly. Zechariah 12, the burden of the word of the Lord against Israel, against Israel. Thus says the Lord who stretches out the heavens. God always identifies who he is. I'm the one who stretched out the heavens. I laid the foundation of the earth and formed the spirit of man within him. Behold, I will make Jerusalem a cup of drunkenness to all the surrounding peoples when they lay siege against Judah and Jerusalem. And it shall happen in that day that I will make Jerusalem a very heavy stone for all peoples, all peoples, all who would heave it away will surely, all who would heave it away, Israel, will surely be cut in pieces, though all the nations of the earth are gathered together against it. Boy, that's heavy, isn't it? God said, if you fight against them, you've had it. You know, I'll bless the ones who bless the seed of Abraham. I'll curse those who curse the seed of Abraham. Daniel 9, beginning in verse 24. Seventy weeks. The word weeks in Hebrew there is the Hebrew word sabua, S-A-B-U-A. And it means weeks of years. Seven weeks of years are determined for your people and for your holy city to finish the transgression, to make an end of sins, to make reconciliation for iniquity, to bring in everlasting righteousness. Boy, this is a lot of stuff. Uh, to finish transgressions, to make an end of sins. To, there will be an end of sins. Amen? Amen? Thank God. To make reconciliation for iniquity, perverse religion, to bring in everlasting righteousness. Hallelujah. I'm going to be a part of that. To seal up the vision and prophecy and to anoint the most holy, even in troublesome times. Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the command to restore and build Jerusalem to Messiah the Prince, that's Jesus, there shall be seven weeks and 62 weeks. Seven plus 62 is 69 weeks of years. 69 times 7, 483 years. The street shall be built again and the wall, even in troublesome times. After this, the 62 weeks, Messiah shall be cut off, but not for himself. And the people of the prince who she is to come, which were the Romans, shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. The end of it shall be with the flood until the end of war. Desolations are determined. 
Then he shall confirm a covenant with many for one week. That's the Antichrist. But in the middle of the week, three, three and a half years, a week of years, he shall bring an end to sacrifice and offering. He's going to commit the abomination of desolation spoken by Jesus in Matthew 24. And, and, uh, and on the wing of abominations shall he shall be one who makes desolate even to the consummation. All this abomination you see for this age that has embraced swallowed hook, line, and sinker. Homosexuality is an abomination before God for a man to lie with another man, a woman to lie with a woman, and which is determined is poured out on the desolate. So uh, we live in a day of abominations uh, of every kind, and God's going to bring an end to sins. He's going to deal with the abominable. And uh, God is going to take care of business when that time comes. Now, do you, do you have the, the slide uh, ready for the, uh, the uh, 62 uh, the, the weeks? 69 weeks. The commandment to restore, you've got a handout. If you had not got one, if you'll raise your hand, uh, somebody will get you one. And uh, you thank your pastor that uh, he had them to get little folders for you to put your, uh, your handouts in each week. 69 weeks, commandment to restore Jerusalem. The decree came, and history records, Artaxerxes Longamanus, March the 14th, 445 B.C. That's when it actually came. It's in your Bible, recorded there. And 69 times 7 equals 360 equals 173, 880 days. 445 B.C., 32 A.D., when Jesus was crucified, 173, 740, March 14th, April 6th, 24, leap years included, 116, 173,880 uh, days. And, uh, and so the triumphal entry, April the 6th, 32 A.D., and then Jesus, uh, that's on uh, Palm Sunday, and then Jesus was crucified the next weekend, and, and uh, our on the, the 14th, a, April the 14th, uh, the Messiah, the king, was cut off. The prince uh, was cut off. And then the, the 70th week, there's a six, 69 weeks have been fulfilled. That has been transpired already. The only thing remaining is that 70th week of Jacob's trouble. Jacob representing Israel's trouble. And uh, the 70th week now, uh, there, there's an interval between the 69th and the 70th week. And since Christ was cut off in 30 AD, we've gone nearly 2,000 years. And the 70th week, uh, in, the, in the first three and a half years, 42 months, 1260 days, the Bible outlines all that in the book of Daniel, book of Revelation. And then the abomination of desolation in the middle of the week when uh, the Antichrist will desecrate the temple just like that uh, Antiochus Epiphanes did. Uh, the Syrian emperor, uh, when, he, uh, uh, when he had them to go into Jerusalem and offered swine flesh on the altar at a village called Moden and even got a Jewish priest was going to uh, slaughter uh, the pig and, and Judas... Judas Maccabee jumped up, grabbed the knife, killed that priest, and began the Maccabean revolt. The Maccabees book is not in your Bible. It's in the Catholic Bible. It's good history. 
It wasn't, uh, it wasn't uh, recognized to be a, an, an anointed book, uh, more of a historical book. But uh, for, se- for a length of time then, the Maccabees whipped every army, retook Jerusalem. It's amazing if you ever read the, the Maccabean history and uh, the book of Maccabees. And uh, they, they defeated every army that came against them. So in the middle of the week, the Antichrist is going to commit the abomination of desolation. And then um, the last half of the tribulation, then he's going to take vengeance and wrath. And uh, it's going to be the, called the Great Tribulation. The last 1,260 days are three and a half years. But thank God at the end of the tribulation, Messiah is going to come from heaven. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, beginning in verse uh, uh, 13 through 18, he said, The Lord himself, not somebody else, the Lord himself, shall descend from heaven with a shout, the voice of the archangel, the trump of God. Now, uh, he's coming at the end of the tribulation to set up the millennial kingdom. Seven years prior, I believe, I believe I'm a pre-trib that the church is going to leave back here at the, at the beginning of the tribulation, before the tribulation begins, because Paul said uh, that God hath not appointed the church, writing the church to, to wrath. Revelation 6, the last few verses tell us that the tribulation and the great tribulation will be the great day of God's wrath. And God has never destroyed the righteous with the wicked. He didn't in Abraham's uh, day and Lot's day. And God is going to again rescue us. I'm looking forward. I'm not even looking forward. I'm not going to worry about meeting the Antichrist. I'm going to meet Jesus Christ in the clouds in the air. And the trumpet sounds that bless the shofar. And the dead in Christ are going to come out of the graveyards and living folks that remain a euphemism. Uh, we which are alive and remain denoting those who are still living. Uh, the sleeping in the graveyard, a euphemism denoting those who died in Christ and are somewhere in the graveyard. God knows where every single one of them is. Amen. And he's going to bring them and they're going to be caught up together to meet the Lord in the clouds in the air. So shall we ever be with the Lord. He said, wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Now, if I thought I was going to go through the tribulation, I wouldn't be too comforted tonight. I'm going when the rapture takes place. Amen. Argue all you want to argue, but there's numerous scriptures. Jesus said, you watch and pray that you be worthy to escape and to stand before the Son of Man when he comes and escape all these things is coming to try all those who dwell on the face of the whole earth. Amen. Thank God for the hope of the rapture. Amen. 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 So at the end of the tribulation, Jesus, uh, his coming is in two phases. At the end, he's coming back to set up his millennial kingdom. And there's going to be a thousand years of peace on earth. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And I mentioned the other night, I think, that the saints are going to possess the kingdom. Daniel said they were in chapter 2. And then the Bible said, Jesus said to, I'm going to say to one saint, be over ten cities to another five. And the saints, and, and again, if I said it the other night, I say it again. I'm looking forward to that glorious day when righteous saints of God rule the whole earth. I, I tell you what. Uh, CNN, NS, MSNBC, ABC, CBS, NBC, they'll all be out of business, Fox too, amen. Won't need any news channels because they won't be any bad news, amen. 
Amen. It's all we get anymore is bad news. Thank God every day will be a holy hallelujah rapture and a glorious day to be alive. And I'll talk one, one session. I'm going to talk about the millennial. That's an exciting, wonderful day of the Lord. Amen. His king dominion. Jesus said, you pray with the kingdom come, God's will done on earth as it is in heaven. So I want to talk to you tonight about Israel for a few moments. Now, I've thrown a bunch at you already, and I hope you can absorb as much as you can. Bobby, mm -hmm. the 70th week, week, that begins at the rapture of the church, right? Yes. And it ends with the second coming of Jesus Christ, and you might Seven years later. Yes. Okay. Uh, he will come back and defeat all the enemy. And we'll, I was going to share with you in a few moments uh, probably who is all going to be involved in World War III. And it's going to happen. It's coming. It's going to be in the Middle East. It's coming. And, uh, and when he uh, comes to... Uh, Destroy all the enemy at the Battle of Armageddon, and probably there'll be a, a war that precedes that war, Armageddon. Psalms 83, there's a ten-nation coalition, those surrounding Israel now, Jordan, uh, Egypt, and several nations that surround right close in the vicinity of Israel, that uh, there will be a war in which ten nations probably, those nearest, will come in a coalition to try to defeat Israel and probably it's going to be encouraged by those Gog, Magog and China and all those folks that uh, are hoping that they don't have to engage as much that a lot of them be taken out. But uh, God's going to take care of all those nations and then there'll be another group of nations. I'll talk about that in a few moments and uh, uh, I, I may have to spend another week, I name it another session, <laughs> but... Uh, I'm going to talk about Israel tonight, and I'll talk about uh, the Ezekiel War maybe next week. But uh, uh, there's going to be uh, uh, there's going to be uh, seven years between the first coming, the second coming, and uh, when he's going to set up the millennial kingdom. All right, now um, thank God for Israel. You say. You know, God told Israel, said, I've not chosen you because you were the greatest of all people. You were the fewest. But I have chosen you and chosen to put my name among you because I have loved you. And somebody said, well, why did God just choose that? They're a small, one of the smallest groups of folks on the planet. Well, sovereign God decided Israel would be the apple of his eye and his bride. He calls her his bride. And his sovereign omniscience, omnipotence, and omnipresence. And that's the way it is. Amen. And if you want to dispute that with him, take it up with him. Amen. That's why he did it. And, and it's amazing uh, what has happened to this little nation of Israel. Israel is right at the center of the globe. It's about one-fifth or one-sixth the size of Arkansas or Mississippi, smaller than New Jersey. 
It's never realized all those borders we looked at a while ago. It's going to be a big span of geography when that time comes and during the millennium. But uh, Israel uh, has had a tough time. They've been assaulted over and over and over, as we'll see in just a moment. And Haman, the Persian, the Iranian, in his day tried to wipe them out. It didn't work. Antiochus Epiphanes tried to wipe them out. It didn't work. The Assyrian emperor. Uh, Hitler tried to wipe them out. It didn't work. Uh, Pharaoh Mo, uh, in Egypt tried to wipe them out. It didn't work. Herod tried to wipe them out. It didn't work. I'm telling you, they're God's chosen. They're the apple of his eye. And his eye, we looked at, is on them. Hallelujah. Amen. And so uh, the wall came down in Russia, doubtlessly, uh, to, uh, uh, so the Jews could go back home. In fact, there was a lot of Jews in Russia a lot of Jews. Russia is still mad with Israel because uh, Israel, the Jews had capitalized on a lot of their ingenuity, like the kibbutz, 50-something kibbutz now in Israel, which they say, the, the experts say, that uh, that little small tiny place could furnish enough food supply for the entire earth. Is that amazing? It's amazing. And they export much of their food now. And uh, probably even a lot of their enemies are, are sustained because of them. Dr. Monroe Parker said World War I was fought to get the land ready for Israel. And you remember the Balfour Declaration, and I'll talk about that in a minute. I don't want to get ahead of myself. And then he said World War II was fought to get the Jews ready for the land. Well, when Hitler slew over half of them, 11 million in that day, and he slew over 6 million of them, they were ready to go somewhere. And they began to look for a homeland. Let me share another thing before I move on here. The Jews gave us the Old Testament. They gave us the law, the prophets, Jesus Christ, the Savior of the whole world. The Jews gave us the New Testament apostles. The list just goes on and on and on. Judaism can explain its roots without Christianity, but Christianity cannot explain its roots without Judaism. We're Judeo-Christians. Jesus was even an Old Testament worshiper. Amen. Whether you would believe that or not. But um, uh, there was in 2014, there were 14 million in the world and 8 million of them. Uh, we're back in Israel, two and a half million living in Tel Aviv. Now, I don't, I, 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 I got to not get ahead of my staff. Okay, I got to stop here and, and say some things. And uh, remember the Spanish Inquisition? And remember that King Ferdinand and Queen Isabella kicked the Jews out of Spain in the Inquisition? They were kicking the Jews out and the poor Jews have, the Jews have been displaced and just horrendously treated. Awful. They have sustained every onslaught because Jehovah God is their husband. Amen. And they're his chosen people. 
Now, when they were being kicked out of Spain, there was some, I've got noted, three very wealthy Jews who found a young Jewish boy named Columbus. And they pulled their resources and gave that their monies, their treasury, to Columbus to try to discover a land for the Jews, a homeland. In fact, the world even considered the nations of the earth considered one time Madagascar being their homeland. Thought about fixing Madagascar as the Jewish homeland. But that didn't work out because God didn't intend for it to work out. So God can change the minds of rulers and kings. He can set up whoever he will. Nebuchadnezzar, when God got through with him, he said, you can't say, tell God anything. You can't say, what doest thou? You can't stop his hand if he starts to move it. You can't do nothing with him. He's too big. You can't get a, go over him. He's too, uh, you can't go around him. He's, uh, uh, he is enthroned eternally. He's not going to resign. You can't impeach him. He's forever eternally. God from old everlasting El Olam forever. He is God. Hallelujah. Woo! Would you give him a hand clap of praise? I told Pete, I said, Pete, you may see me shout tonight <laughs> and talk in tongues if the Holy Ghost moves on me. And of course, he, he believes it all. He's a good friend of mine. I'm glad to have him with us. We're glad of Pete Krim. He'll be speaking to you one night on the, on the Feast of Jehovah. They're never called the Feast of Israel. They're Jehovah's Feast. And he'll be talking to you one night about them. So Columbus discovered America, and America's been a pretty good homeland for Jews, would you say? Amen. Amen. It's been a pretty good homeland for Jews. All right, I've got to move along. Uh, Israel has withstood Egypt, Syria. The Romans in 70 AD, one million were slaughtered by Titus, the Roman emperor, a bloodbath. Hadrian slew a half a million. The Roman church, the crusaders, Spanish Inquisition I mentioned, Hitler I mentioned, the Third Reich, dispersion throughout the world. And then in 19... 48, well, God had begun to move on the Jews and give them a hungering desire to go back to a homeland that he had for them. That's amazing after centuries and centuries and 2,000 years or so, all, over 2,500 years, they were without an, a homeland, an ephod, the teraphim, and all that the Bible talks about. And... And then God began to move. And he began to move on leaders in, in world history. 1500, 1800, there were only approximately 1500 Jews in Palestine. 15 to 1800. And uh, the Romans named it Palestine to demean the Jews after their old enemy, the Philistines. It, it, it's never been really Palestine. It's always been Israel. It's God's land that he gave them. God made a covenant with Abraham and Genesis 15, and in Genesis 16, he reiterates over and over, this is an everlasting covenant. Not just for a span of time, an ever, 
lasting covenant. Well, God uh, made a blood covenant. And in Genesis, uh, the Bible said Abraham, he told Abraham to that covenant, get those sacrifices together. Abraham took a uh, three-year-old three heifer, uh, took a, a three-year-old ram, took a three-year-old goat, I believe it was, and a turtle dove and a pigeon. And he laid those sacrifices, split them and laid them end to end. And, and then the Bible said all that day long, evidently it's pretty early in the day, that the birds of prey tried to steal Abraham and God's covenant all that day. Said the birds of prey, the ravens, the vultures, the hawks, the birds of prey, and the Bible said Abraham had to take, he got him a, a branch, a bush, and drove them away. How many of you know that's the way it is sometimes? The blood covenant between you and the Savior who shed his blood for you. If you're not careful, the ravens and the birds of doubt, confusion, fear, trouble, distress, hardship, temptation, any kind of bird of prey, that can be conjured up will try and it'll spend a long span of time trying to get you to disannul that covenant. But might I tell you, Abraham drove him away till the sun went down and God put him in a deep sleep and then God passed right between those covenanted pieces and there was a burning lamp and a smoking furnace and a burning lamp and God confirmed that covenant. Whatever you got to do to hang on to your covenant, to hang on to your covenant. Amen. 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 Just wanted to throw that in. But uh, Israel has sustained and continued to stay alive. And so May the 14th, 1948, after years, you had... Uh, Theodore Herzl published a pamphlet, The Jewish State, 117-word document on Zionism, getting a homeland for the Jews, fathering nationalism. Nothing wrong with nationalism. I love America. I like what Trump's doing for America. I believe in this nation. And folks that don't, want, don't like it, get out of here. Hannity was going to buy him a ticket, but, uh, but uh, hey... Uh, what's, the, what's the group of women that's so, uh, they're still here. Can't run them off. But anyway, hey, amen. Father and nationalism. So that uh, resulted in the Balfour Declaration uh, where uh, uh, Lord Rothschild, uh, there was a uh, shaking the, the man James Arthur Balfour wrote to Lord Rothschild of England and that resulted in the dec uh, Balfour Declaration on December the 11th, uh, 1917, the Brits had regained uh, Israel, the land of Israel. And uh, the Bible tells us that, or uh, in history reveals to us, that uh, something extraordinary began to take place. And then in 1948, May the 4th, the Jews are back in their homeland. And I'm cutting through some of the red tape uh, to... Uh, I can spend a long time here. But um, thank God uh, the Jews came back to their homeland, established, and uh, at 4 o'clock, uh, David Ben-Gurion, the prime minister of Israel, he rushed to, um, uh, from the, the airport, I believe it was in Tel Aviv, 
and he went to the Tel Aviv uh, uh, Art Museum where a bunch of heads of states were seated and a lot of the news media were seated. And he stood up and very strongly proclaimed and read the Israeli Declaration of, of Independence. We have the right to exist. We have the right to be a nation. It had been uh, approved by the UN General Assembly and NATO and all uh, the America and the nations. And he stood up and uh, read uh, the Declaration of Independence. And then there was a, a, a rabbi, a Jewish rabbi, Rabbi Haliva Harzog, who, uh, who called then the White House in Washington. Uh, Harry Truman, the president of the U.S., was the first nation, America, to call and congratulate this nation born in a day. Isaiah 66 and 8, 740 years before, Isaiah said, what? Who can believe this? A nation is born in one day? But it was. Because there's, there's the, the, the God who sits in the heavens. The Bible said he sits up there. Amen? And he's even going to laugh at the end time with some of those uh, God-haters and mock at their calamity and downfall. But Rabbi Haliva Herzog, he called President Truman. And listen to what he said to him. He said, God providentially placed you in your mother's womb to be birthed to her for this special day. And for you to be the first to recognize Israel as a nation. And one of his uh, White House aides said that he looked and Truman tears were running down his face. It touched Truman because it was the hand of God at work. Amen. Amen. So this nation had only been birthed a few hours. And then the surrounding Arab nations, me and Pete was trying to remember this evening. I, I did know the numbers. I had them documented somewhere. And I have some others I'll share with you that is exact documentation. But I, I believe it was 300,000 or 400,000, whatever it was, several hundred thousand Arabs came together and going to wipe out this fledging nation that only had just a few troops, didn't have many troops at all. But guess what? When the smoke cleared, guess who won? Why? Because Jehovah is their redeemer. Amen. And Jehovah is their father. And uh, so uh, the Bible, our, our history tells us, according to uh, Revelation 16, 13 through 16, the Holy Land will become the scene of World War III, resulting in the greatest war in history. Great armies of Africa uh, will come. And this past week, now if you think this all this is far removed from us. Well, I'm 90 miles north of Little Rock. I got in from here last uh, Wednesday night. Got in home about close to midnight, me and my wife and, and Canaan. Well, uh, that same night, I had to sit down a little bit and unwind. And they even revealed on the news that night or the next morning that in Little Rock, Arkansas, Little Rock, Arkansas, 90 miles from me, they had arrested that day a uh, Taliban terrorist who was working with the terrorist. That's in Little Rock, Arkansas. That's in my state where I live. You would be shocked if you knew how many of them are around. Amen. And then on our way home, I got to share this with you. On our way home, my wife, 
she tuned in and pulled up a Harvard Hebrew expert. That's what he was labeled as. And if they go to Harvard, they know everything. You know. But a Harvard, Harvard Hebrew expert, and I listened to his speech and presentation. And he said all this stuff about Trump being the modern day Cyrus where he sends the Jews back home and all. That's a bunch of hogwash. He's not, and he doesn't fit this bill. And he went into a long delineations on how it was. A po- and really what he was doing, his palabra was all about trying to destroy the impact of what God is doing and demean. He was a liberal, Harvard uh, expert. That's a drip under pressure. And uh, he, he was trying to demean and belittle um, uh, Israel and, and everything else associated with it. And he ended that big long speech of his, all this stuff about the modern day Cyrus and all, which was, he said, is not, it wouldn't fit the bill and all this stuff. He said, but I can tell you this. Now, he knows he's from Harvard. He said, there will never be another Israeli Jew seated on the throne in Jerusalem. And I said, you dummy. I told my wife, I said, that proves to you right there he's, a, he's an idiot and he doesn't know anything because for a thousand years the Son of God is going to sit on the throne in Jerusalem and going to rule from there the Arabs in Egypt and everybody else is going to pay homage to him. For a thousand years the law will go forth from Jerusalem. He will be enthroned as King of kings and Lord of lords. There's a carpenter Jew seated in the heavens tonight that's going to rule on the throne of David again. Hallelujah. Woo! Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. My God, y'all are preaching me to death. Now, Revelation said that uh, Daniel 11 and 40, the Orient and Red China will cross the Euphrates. Daniel 11, 44, Revelation 9, 15, 16, 16, 12. The battle is Armageddon. Jesus will return with millions of angels and saints, King of kings, Lord of lords, and uh, judge and destroy the enemy armies in Revelation 19, usher in world peace and righteousness for a thousand years. Read the book of Revelation 19 at some point before we get down to that time. And then uh, Israel has been assaulted over and over again you had uh, their, their land, even the Crusaders and the liberals try to, you know, remember when Obama blasted the Crusaders, them bunch of Christians? And then he blasted us, all you Christians that want to hold on to your Bible and your guns and your God. And, and uh, he's, he said that they were a bunch of Christians or folks on high horses. Well, we're going to come back riding white horses, amen, with the Lord of glory, amen. And, uh, uh, and, and, and uh, history in the Bible, I must, I must move on uh, pretty hurriedly. 1967, Yom Kippur, Israel was assaulted. It was assaulted in, in uh, 67, assaulted in 73. It's been assaulted over and over. In fact, every day of the week, according to the statistical information, am I still on? Okay. There are seven 
terrorist attacks on the people of Israel every day. So in 1967, and we were there in 95, and our tour guide was named Israel. He was not an Orthodox Jew, and he wasn't a uh, uh, Christian. He was a businessman. He wouldn't let us tour the Arab places. And one day he just ups and tells us, well, uh, 67, we were just about pushed into the sea. Lost 10,000 of our best, I believe it was 67. He said, we lost 10,000 of our finest young men. But he said, you Americans, know this. It will never happen again. Do you hear me? It will never happen again. He said, we were caught with our pants down. That's the that's phrase he uses. I remember it well. But it'll never happen again. He carried a nine millimeter in the back of his pants. He got an altercation with one Arab, and I thought he's going to shoot him. But he was quite a character, but he's very passionate, very passionate, very, very passionate. And, uh, but 1967, uh, three nations, Arab nations, attacked Israel, going to wipe them out. And uh, the Arab nations, the UAR, had 500,000 Arab troops. And they had uh, 5,000 tanks. 900 combat aircraft. Israel had 75,000 total troops, 1,000 tanks, and 175 planes. But guess what? When they finished that, it wasn't a skirmish, I can tell you that for sure. The UAR had lost 20,000 troops, its air force was decimated. Its navy was just about completely destroyed and Israel regained the Sinai Peninsula, the Golan Heights, the Gaza Strip, and the West Bank. And Rabbi uh, Goran, who was the brigadier general in the Israeli Air Force, he's 50 years old now. He was born in 1917. That was a Shemitah year. And this is 50 years later, he's 50 years old, in a jubilee year. He led that group of soldiers for the first time in over 2,500 years. The Jews retook Jerusalem. And he led them that procession into Jerusalem, the holy, their holy city, blasting on the long shofar. They've got, I know, three different sizes. The Jewish rabbi just spent three days with me. Good friend of ours from overseas, Norm Leslie. Norm's got a short one. He blasted that one and showed us how. My dog went crazy. He's got a longer one. He blasted it. My dog went crazy again. And then he's got a real long one. He blasted that one, and I think uh, she might have been ready to leave town. And he said, this one is for victory and all this stuff. Well, he was blowing that long shofar. Rabbi Goran. He led that procession for the first time into the streets of Jerusalem after over 2,500 years. And the young soldiers and the soldiers in that procession, history records, they cried, they wept, and they kissed the ground as they walked into Jerusalem for the first time since they had been dispersed all across the country. And uh, God... Rebuilt a nation in a day. 
And God, thank God you can, you can bash him. You can, and again, I told you last week, I wish sometimes he'd just keep his mouth shut. But you can say what you want to about Trump, but God has his hand on Trump. He already has given the land back to uh, the, the Jerusalem, has made it their capital city. 30 years presidents promised that and never did squat. And he made a promise and kept a promise. They have named a street after him. And he is on the side of the Jews. And I'm telling you, all these people that are against the Jews and all this anti-Semitic sentiment across the globe, it's going to be a sad day when this carpenter Jew steps up from the portals of glory at the right hand of the Father and steps out and said, Gabriel, blast that shofar. I'm going to bring him up to the new Jerusalem. And we're going to be caught up together. Would you stand with me? Meet the Lord in the clouds in the air. We're ever going to be there to live with the Lord throughout the endless ages. There's going to be heaven on earth for a thousand years and then there's going to be eternity. It's going to be a glorious time. I'm glad to be on the Lord's side. Hallelujah. Would you lift your hands and worship Him tonight and thank Him, King of kings and Lord of lords, and bless Him, whoever liveth, El Olam, from old everlasting, forever He's God. Nothing can destroy Him. Yes, Holy Ghost. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Just bless His name. Give Him a hand clap of praise and worship Him. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. 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 Amen. You may be seated. Brother Jerry said some of you may have yeah, questions. Anybody got any questions that you would like to ask, Bobby? And I may not know the answer. What are the seven seals? Seven seals. The seven seals. We'll get to that. We it's on down the road. Yet. One night we'll get to the seven seals. Okay. Cliff. Will you be going in any more detail about that seven-year tribulation and what's going to happen? Oh, yes. Okay. We're gonna, we're gonna, well, I want to deal one night with the tribulation. Brother, Brother Jerry wants me to stay with one, one message per session. So we're going we're gonna, to... You can't deal with it all, Cliff, in one night. <laughs> we're going to continue some of this thought, but we'll call it another name next week. But uh, we're going to deal with Ezekiel 38 war, and it, it, for, at least for the first part. Okay. When is the Battle of Armageddon going to take place? At the end of the tribulation. At the end of the okay. Yeah. Larry? Oh, okay. Anybody else? Well, it's good to have everybody here. Did, did these uh, college professors say I did all right? I think okay. you did good, Bobby. Okay. Let's give him a good hand for that. Amen. <laughs> Invite somebody out next week and let's just really yes, plan yes. to have, keep growing and growing and growing and, and we'll just really get people excited about the second coming of Jesus Christ. Let, let me just say this. Uh, we showed you Leviathan and I didn't really elaborate uh, anything about it. Uh, they, they'll, when they get the last three, if they've got them already, they've got nine now and they're ready at any time. But at some point, in order for there to be a seven-year peace covenant with the Antichrist and his system, Israel's going to have to disarm. 
They're the fourth leading nuclear power in the world tonight. They have 255 nuclear weapons. There ain't no Arab nation would mess with them right now. Better not. And they don't have to ask anybody. They don't have to get approval from President Trump or nobody else because God is their captain and he's the one who's... And, and doubtless, and we'll talk about that in another session and probably next week, but doubtlessly, they're going to have to disarm. They would have to in order for them to enter a seven-year covenant. And I don't know, we'll talk about and maybe we'll, I'll throw out and I'll, I'll let you... If you have some input or something you want to share, you think about it, study about it, and I don't know how it all is going to happen, but the Antichrist is going to be able to get a coalition, probably NATO, the European Union, and, uh, and probably Russia, China, and some of those is, uh, Islamic nations are going to even promote it. Now, the Bible says in the end time that, um, that uh, Israel... Uh, Russia, Gog and Magog, we'll talk about that next week. Don't want to get ahead of myself. And, and we'll talk about those nations. Read Ezekiel 36 through 38 before next week. Ezekiel 36 through 38 chapters next week, please. And, we'll, and you'll better understand and be, be ready. Underline some of the nations mentioned there. We'll talk about them. And, um, and evidently they will have to do that. And I don't know what all is going to happen. Uh, it's speculation. So whatever. Okay. Okay, uh, I was wanting Bobby to just to explain, but the rapture of the church will come as a thief in the night, and that is, and again, that's not the the second coming. That's the rapture of the church. Rapture, yes. And but the second coming is coming at the end of the seven year period. Whenever his he, Christ comes back and his feet touches the Mount of Olives and it splits asunder, and so this is why that I was trying to wanting you to to delineate between those two because this is where a lot of confusion comes in for people who read about the, uh, whether it's the second coming or whether it's the, uh, the rapture of the church. And the word rapture is not even mentioned in the Bible, but it is a catching away of the yes. bride of Christ. Yes. You want to comment on that? Any? Yes. Uh, the word rapture is not in there, but a catching away in terms that are used. Uh, and there's so much doctrine about the rapture until it's an accepted by most all uh, groups that I'm aware of and scholars that there is going to be a catching away of God's children, living folks, dead folks coming out of the graveyard. That's the first resurrection. And, uh, and uh, there, was a, there was a thought I just had I wanted to mention and, and uh, it slips my mind right now. But uh, anyway, we'll talk about, we'll at some point get to just about most of the things that uh, you want to deal with, I think. And, uh, how many, how many uh, raptures do you, Pete, we, you and I were talking about, how many raptures do you think there's going to be? There's going to be a be? number of raptures, yeah. Go ahead, Pete. The catching away. They're caught up. And at the end, you have the remnant of faithful Jews who didn't subscribe to the Antichrist. So you could have all three of them. Yeah. The point is, he's going to take us out of here, but we're going to get all upset over when. That's not a heaven or hell issue. 
And if you thought something different to me, I wouldn't fall out with you. But my studies of 40 plus years of scripture and prophecy studies, I believe that uh, it's going to be a pre-tree of rapture and then the end, the battle of Armageddon. And uh, I, do, I don't want to be around here during the tribulation. There would be no comfort for me knowing I had to go through the tribulation take the, and face the mark of the beast. And all the horrendous stuff you read in the book of Revelation, dear God, who wants to be a part of any of that? And you're going to be covering that, Bobby. Wrath. Are you going to be covering that next week? Then the, the I, tribulation, I'll, or what? Or I'll, I'll be I'll be dealing probably the battle of, uh, uh, of Ezekiel 38 at the first of next week, and then we may move on into some Islamic stuff. Okay. And then one night we'll deal with uh, uh, we'll deal with the tribulation. One night I'm on, I want to deal with uh, millennial heaven. I want to talk about heaven one night. That's a good subject. We can all rejoice and shout about. And then the millennial. And uh, there's, there's several other things that uh, we'll be talking about. We, we got enough stuff to talk about till 25th of September. <laughs> Amen. Well, shall we all stand in? Let's give Bobby a hand for just doing a tremendous job tonight. We appreciate it, Bobby. And Pete, good to have you come with us. So, and but Pete will be ministering on, on, on the, the Israel Feast uh, sometimes, uh, I don't know what, when Bobby's going to have him do that, but it'll be, it'll be a very interesting thing. Father, we thank you for your goodness and your praise. We praise you for your mighty name. And Lord, we just right now, we bless the name of Jesus. And I bless these people right now with a good night's rest and a great day tomorrow in Jesus mighty name. And everybody says a big amen.